Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. We're about to go into a message that I delivered recently, and I hope that it encourages you, it inspires you, and it launches you further in your walk with Jesus. That's my heart for you as you listen. If it does encourage you, why not share it with someone who you think could do with hearing it as well? And subscribe so that you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. For now, sit back, enjoy, and I hope that you get blessed. Well, this morning, this morning I want to share a message called A Call to Greatness. A Call to Greatness. And I know when I say that, probably about 60% of you switch off because you don't feel like you're worthy, you're not up for it. But every single one of us, because we have the fingerprint of a living God on our lives, is called to greatness. Every single one. And if we do switch off, we're actually living a subpar version of our own lives. Because God, what He's put on the inside of you is actually not just for you. Yes, you are awesome. Yes, you are divine and remarkable and incredible and inspiring. But the reason that you are that is because God has an agenda for the people in your world. So please tune back in. Tune back in and dare to believe that God actually wants to use you to change the world. And the theme for this month is for the one. And our job as followers of Jesus is not to live good lives. My job is not to pay my bills, live a good life, and not disturb the neighbors. I failed at that. I have four children and one of them plays acoustic drums in the garage. I'm disturbing my neighbors all the time. But our job actually is to make an impact with those around us. My job as a pastor is for the one. My job is to see you meet your potential. One day I'm going to stand before God and He's going to say, what did you do with those people I gave you? How did you promote them through the stages of their lives so that they could fulfill the potential of God on their lives? And so I want to say, follow me, I'll take you into your destiny. But actually, I can only do as much with these people that God's given me as you'll give me license to do. And it's the same with God. He can only do as much in your life as you will give Him license to do. But we are called to greatness. And greatness is not found in a comfort zone. Greatness is not found... In a comfort zone, comfort is not your friend. It should not be your goal. (laughs) It should not be your end. Comfort should be the thing you wrestle against and you resist and intentionally step beyond every day of your life. Comfort is not your friend. An enemy, the enemy to great is actually good. Many of us settle for a good life, for a good option. But did you know there's a great, there's a great for your life? Many people just settle for good, but it's not God's best. It's not God's best. 
What if we all woke up every single day with the intention to live at God's best? Not just good. Good is nice, but it's not the desire of heaven for your life and mine. What if we woke up every day intentionally stepping out of our comfort, intentionally challenging ourselves, intentionally going one step further than what is convenient? What if that was our driving force every day? Imagine the impact you could have if you challenged yourself that way every single day. When we look at the lives of the great people in the Bible, we see that they heard a call and they responded to a call to greatness. Moses believed in the call to greatness. At the age of 40, after murdering a guy, he ran for his life and he thought, well, I'm not going back there. I might reskill myself and I'll go from being the prince of Egypt to a shepherd. And so at the age of 40, he hid in the wilderness and became a shepherd for 40 years. And then at the age of 40, God meets him in an encounter and calls him and says, you're going to deliver the nation, my nation of people. And so he actually responded and took on a leadership role and led all of Egypt out of Israel. But initially he excused himself. He excused himself because of his past and because he had a speech impediment. Because he had a stutter. He said, God, I can't do it. And God's like, I've got that covered. Just shut up and get on with what I'm telling you to do. Anyone ever had a conversation like that with God? Pretty much every day. Carolina, shut up and get on with what I'm telling you to do. Okay, God. Carolina, you're so strong. I just, God tells me to shut up every day. Abraham believed in the call to greatness at the age of 70. At the age of 70, he left home. <laughs> Some of you have got young adult sons that you're trying to get. At the age of 70, he left home and became a worldwide traveler, right? And then two decades later, fathered his first child. The age... <laughs> Actually, three decades later, at the age of 100, his wife was 90. And so originally, they both excused themselves because of their age. Hello? Hello? God, I can't do what you're saying is the call for me because I'm too old for that. Anyone got hope this morning? Anyone glad? Maybe you're in the older demographic and just hearing that has disallowed your excuses. God, I can't do what I think you're calling me to do because I'm too old. You're not 100 yet. Shut up and get on with what God is telling you to do. Paul believed in the call to greatness. After his Damascus Road conversion experience, he went into the wilderness for three years and totally reframed his dogmas and his theology and came out swinging. And this guy wrote most of the New Testament and was one of the founders of the early church. And much of what we stand in today is due to this man. But initially, he was discrediting himself because he was a hired assassin that would persecute believers of Jesus and kill them. Anyone done anything like that with their lives? Right? No, I hope not. <laughs> Please don't tell me if you have, that's right. 
um, he had a whole rap sheet of why he shouldn't be doing what God was saying he should do, his sins, his dogmas, his theories. But he actually just surrendered to the call, reframed himself over a several years, reframed himself and then came out a new man in the middle of his life and literally changed the world because he said, okay, God. The woman at the well, in one moment, hearing a call, she went from avoiding people because of her tragic reputation to becoming the first ever gospel evangelist. Just think about that. The first person in all of history, in the world, the first person to evangelize was a woman with a bad reputation. That's a pretty awesome thing to go down in history for. The first one to spread the gospel. That'd be awesome. Wouldn't that be awesome to go down in history as that? Well, this woman, just moments before meeting Jesus, was hiding from people because she had a past, she had a story, she had a reputation. And one encounter with Jesus, she went running to the people, to the crowds, and saw a whole city saved. In one day, she flipped like that. Mary, the sinner, pushed past judging faces, her accusers. She pushed herself into environments where she actually wasn't even welcome. And she offered Jesus an offering that put her down in history. And we speak about her as what worship really looks like, as what sacrifice really looks like. Mary at the tomb was the once demon-possessed prostitute who walked with Jesus and was set free and liberated. She at the tomb was the first one to see the resurrected Christ. She disallowed her excuses and got on with the call of God for her life. I'm wondering what pathetic excuses I give God. I'm wondering what exit strategy you have every time God comes knocking on your door. I'm wondering what our generation is missing out on because we're living under the burden of a past sin. We're living under the burden of age. We're living under the burden of a reputation. We're living under the burden of a speech impediment or a disability of some kind. What is our generation missing out on because you and I have heard the call, but we've given God an excuse? And so people who hear the call and want to respond to the call are actually no greater than anyone else. They just get over themselves and they say yes to God. And they trust Him. They trust Him. People often say to me, how do I know I'm ready? I want to tell you, if God calls you, you're ready. You don't even have a right to ask that question. Because if He's called you, I think He would know. You're ready. You may be completely inadequate, unqualified, and the wrong person in human understanding, but who knows, God doesn't really take into account any of the things that human thinking takes into account. God knows what He put inside you. 
He created you. He has some idea of what your potential is. And He created you that way on an agenda for the generation that He also put you into. Not everyone ticks the same way. Not everyone steps over the line. Not everyone says yes to the call of God. It is so tragic that we would live our lives excusing ourselves from the greatness that God would have on our lives. Not because we're great. Not to puff ourselves up, but because He moves through us and He enables us and His Holy Spirit empowers us And we literally step back and go, I can't believe what you're doing in my life, God. But I'm just going to every day say yes. Yes to the call to greatness. The three characteristics this morning that separate the good from the great. That separate the great from the good. Three characteristics. And as I was writing this, I realized they're all actually undergirded by two things. So underscoring these three characteristics is actually humility, humility and purity. Humility and purity of heart. But the first characteristic is that people who answer the call to greatness are faith-filled. They're faith-filled. Hebrews 11, 1 to 2. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. How's your handle on what you can't see? We're all really good at handling the tangible, but how's your handle on what you can't see? Because that's faith. That's faith. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. The crowd only has a handle on the tangible. But what sets apart someone who's heard God's call to greatness is their handle on the unseen. That's what sets them apart. They're faith-filled. Smith Wigglesworth, the great healing evangelist, would walk into crusades, thousands upon thousands of people, and just see healing after healing after healing, miracle after miracle after miracle. He said this and lived by this, I am not moved by what I see. I am moved by what I believe. What do you believe? And does that move you more than what you see? Because if it does, it's going to pull you out of yourself. It's going to pull you out of your circumstance. It's going to pull you out of the rat race. I'm not moved by what I see. Who knows that what we see does move us. When it's tragic, it's very moving. It's gut-wrenching. It wants to stand in front of us and taunt us. But we need to be like Smith Wigglesworth if we're going to do any great exploits for God and say, I'm not moved by what's standing in front of me. I'm moved by what I believe. That's what moves me on Monday morning. Not what I see, but what I believe. People who answer the call to greatness have a sense to live beyond mere existence. More than just Monday to Friday, nine to five. 
They have this sense that there's more than just existing. David stood on the battlefield, a young teenager stood on a battlefield facing Goliath, a giant who had forced a trained army into hiding and submission. A boy stood in a valley and faced a giant because he was not moved by what he saw. He was moved by what he believed. God moves through people like that. God does the miraculous through people like that. Joshua (laughs) had to take down Jericho in order to get into Canaan. And Jericho was reinforced by walls thick and high. He marched around those walls. His marching brought the walls down and they waltzed on in. Any one of us who is risk averse or who lives by what they see would hear that strategy from God and go, that's stupid. I'm not doing that because that actually doesn't make sense because it doesn't make sense. You and I know that walking around a city does not cause walls to fall down. But Joshua believed God. Joshua went, all right, all right, let's do that. And he marched the people around the walls of Jericho for seven days and the walls literally fell down. He was not moved by the wall he saw. He was moved by the word he believed. The apostles in the book of Acts performed miracles. They saw prison doors miraculously open, chains fall off people. They saw things happen beyond what they saw in the physical into what they saw in the spiritual. People who live according to the call of greatness are faith-filled. I want to ask you, are you faith-filled? Are you faith-filled? Are you moved by what you believe more than what you see? What moves you? What moves you? What determines your existence? What defines your energy and your activity, your responses, your thoughts, your meditation? Are you faith-filled? What wakes you up in the morning? Is it an alarm clock? Or is it a call? Second characteristic of a person who responds to the call to greatness is intentionality. Life is not happenstance. If you let it be happenstance, there's no way, (laughs) there's no way you'll meet the potential of heaven inside you. No way. And so we have to be intentional. People who answer the call to greatness position themselves intentionally. They position themselves to learn and grow. If they don't understand something, They find the answer. They ask the questions. They do not live under the banner of que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. They don't sing kumbaya around bonfires. They live by intentionality. If they don't understand something, they find it out. And they position themselves to grow and learn because they've decided my life will not be at random but a result of what I believe and my planning towards it. 
Proverbs 21 verse 5, the plans of the diligent surely lead to plenty. The plans of the diligent lead us into greatness. Benjamin Franklin said, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. A dream without a strategy is just a pipe dream. A dream, proverb says, comes about with much planning and activity. And so people who respond to greatness are highly intentional people. They are highly thought through, intentional people. You know, this morning we arrived and the countdown clock was playing on the screen at 8.27. It's a three minute countdown. The creative team came out when that last note rang, rang out on the video and they led us in four songs. Cam came out and led us in a scripture. We had videos. Brent delivered the, the vision through City Vision and I'm bringing you a word. None of that just happened. None of it just happened. There is so much planning that goes into an hour and a half experience here on a Sunday. So much planning. Cam prayed over what he was going to share around the transition. I have spent hours writing this message. The worship team rehearse and hone their skill. And they're only up here for 20, 25 minutes. But the hours that have gone into that, nothing just happens. Nothing great anyway. And I want to say that it takes just as much effort to put on a service for 40 people as it does for 300 people. So let's get more people here. All the effort that goes into this for the heart of God, for our generation, it doesn't just happen. How do you do it, Carolina? How do you actually, now that you're, like even before I became a widow, I was getting asked this question. How do you do four kids and ministry and still manage to do your hair? Saturday night, I put out, or I used to put out, 12 outfits. Six people, one for the morning, one for the night. So I didn't have to worry about it the next day. I planned. You plan. And I plan so that on Sunday, game day, I can be at my best without distraction. Because if you fail to plan, you actually plan to fail. The amount of people who don't make it on a Sunday for the reasons that they give me is absolutely hysterical. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. What are your priorities? What are you driven by? What's the call in your ear? Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. So not only do great people intentionally plan, great people also position themselves in right relationships. He who walks with the wise will himself be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. People who live great lives are intentional in their relationships and they answer the question, who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? And they plan and they strategize towards it. Show me your friends and I will tell you your future. 
It's as simple as that. We need to ask some questions of ourselves. Who does God want me to be? It's actually your choice to respond to that question. Whose world do I need to be in to become that person that God wants me to be? Which books do I need to read? What courses do I need to study? Am I being intentional in the season I'm in right now? Life is cyclical. We have patterns. I want to ask you, what are you preparing for the next season of your life? Christmas, family encounters. How are you preparing for the cycles and the seasons of life? Do you even know your own patterns? If you don't, ask someone, they'll tell you. And then be intentional to staff your weaknesses. How are you planning to leverage every season in your life? If you wanna live a life that is above the status quo, you have to be self-aware and strategic and intentional. What are your growth areas, weaknesses, shortcomings, blind spots? How are you developing them, discovering them, disempowering them, overcoming them? What is your personal growth plan? People who answer the call to greatness are intentional. They're intentional. Thirdly, people who answer the call to greatness are curious people. They're curious. They ask questions. Age is not a number. It's a mindset. I have met some people in their 70s who act younger than people I know in their 30s. It's a mindset. It's a curiosity. It's a teachability. It's a skip in your step. It's this suspicion that there's more to know, that I can learn in every setting. I can be better today than I was yesterday. Great people are curious people. We all remember the Nokia. Do you remember the, the snake? <laughs> and then Blackberry came out. I loved the Blackberry, revolutionized my life. Emails on my phone, a keyboard on my phone. And now we have smartphones and they're smarter than most of us. But my point is that Nokia and Blackberry thought they knew everything and they missed it, and they were overtaken. And that can actually happen in life. Because we think, yeah, I've got it pretty good, I've got it all sussed out. Seasons change, my friend. None of us are actually standing still because the world is always moving forward. So if you're standing still, you're actually going backwards. We need to be curious so that we're always on the front foot, so we're always on the edge of what God's doing. Proverbs 15, 14, the heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge. Great people are curious, they're question askers. Albert Einstein said, anyone can know. Actually, he said, any fool can know. The point is to understand. Be curious. Great people lean into understanding. They seek out new ideas. They're curious. God, really? Is that really the strategy? Okay, let's do it. I'm not gonna try to figure it all out in my thinking. I'm asking questions of the Spirit. I'm curious. I'm leaning into what God's doing. It's only when you understand why that you can achieve the what in any sense of excellence. 
Curiosity is your friend. It's your friend. David Livingston was a Scottish Christian congregationalist and a pioneer of medical missionary with the London Missionary Society and an explorer to Africa, a medical missionary to Africa, one of the most popular British heroes in the 19th century. And he said this, I determined never to stop until I had come to the end in achieving my purpose. Very early in my life, someone said to me, never take no for an answer. Suits my personality just fine. But some of us need to get a little bit more tenacious. If you'll excuse me, we need to get a little bit more mongrel about the things of God. And just not take no for an answer, not stop until we've answered the call. Faith, intentionality, curiosity. Faith, intentionality, and curiosity. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well? Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.